0: Welcome to the Simply Authentic podcast with Angie and Tanya, where we hope to inspire you to dream big and push past your fear, empower you to take charge of your own life, and challenge you to be the most authentic self you can be.
1: Welcome back to the Simply Authentic Podcast. I'm Tanya Murphin
0: And I'm Angie Mullings. And we have an in-studio guest with us today, Attorney Danielle Kincaid. Hello. She is the Hello, owner Danielle. of the Elder Law Group. <laughs> she is also the Springfield Public Schools um, Board President currently, and also a member of the Springfield Metropolitan Bar Association. She just got back from hiking Pikes Peak, so we have all kinds of interesting things to talk to her about. So, welcome, Danielle. Thank you. Hi, yeah. thanks for being with us. Yes. So, just tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, so you indicated I'm an attorney. Um, I practice in the area of elder law, which is estate planning, plus focusing on uh, growing older. So I live, I've been here in Springfield. I moved down here in 02, left in '08, and came back in 13, and I have no intentions of, of leaving again. Great. And Springfield is my home. Yeah. Excellent.
1: Yeah. So tell us about your background getting into law. Why was that the chosen profession for you?
2: I... Always knew I wanted to be a lawyer or a teacher, uh-huh. and it's a good thing I'm not a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, walking mm-hmm. into a classroom full mm-hmm. of, say, fourth
0: graders, is very intimidating because <laughs>
2: they got a lot of other things going on in in their in their minds. Um, so I knew that I wanted to go into the legal profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, my undergrad was at SMS at the time, so Southwest mm-hmm. Missouri State in criminology. I went out to D.C. and worked for the Public Defender for a couple months before I went to law school and realized that was not an area that I was going to be going into, where Mm -hmm. my passions were. Mm -hmm. Um, And before I went to law school, I worked at a local bank and had the opportunity to do a small internship in the trust department at that bank. And I realized I I really enjoyed that area of law. So when I went to law school, I knew that I wanted to get into estate planning and, and elder law. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: So let's talk about that a little bit, what that means. As realtors, we deal with a lot of situations where people don't have things set up the way that they need to. They don't have an estate plan. They don't have um, a a will or a trust or any of those things. So maybe first we should talk about what's the difference between those, um, the will, the trust, the estate. yeah. The whole estate.
2: Yeah. people. I often hear people say, well, I don't need an estate plan. I don't have an estate. Mm-hmm. If you have a bank account, you have an estate. Mm-hmm. If you have a car, you have an estate. And of course, our most usually our most valuable estate is our house, which is one that often right. gets for, forgotten when people do just do-it-yourself estate planning. Mm-hmm. When we look at estate planning, there's really two components. There's what happens with my stuff when I pass away. Most people want to avoid probate in that situation. The second component is incapacity planning. If I can't speak for myself, who do I want to select to speak for me to make my medical decisions or my financial decisions? Okay. Probably the number one misconception that I hear in my office is that a last will and testament avoids probate.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We've all seen movies and TV shows mm-hmm. where the lawyer mm-hmm. sits down and the whole family gathers around mm-hmm. and does a reading of the will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can tell you in all my years of practice, I have never done a reading of a will. So de- <laughs> delete <laughs> Dang that it. from your mind. Yes. Um, a last will and testament, at least in Missouri, means that we are in probate court. It is a way mm-hmm. to instruct okay. the probate court of what we want to have happen. So to avoid probate court, we look at using trusts or uh, beneficiary deeds on real estate or PODs on bank accounts or TODs on cars. Those are the ways that we avoid probate, not a last will and testament. A will does not avoid probate.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So in different age groups, and obviously we know most young people starting out, they might have a car, they get married, they buy a house, then they start having children. So- if you have, I know you do elder law, but there's a, a lot of listeners that are different age groups. So we want to make sure we're at least covering at what point in your life should you visit the elder law attorney. So if you have young people, say around age 25 to 35, mm-hmm. what is your advice to them? Because they don't have many assets yet besides the bank account, the car, maybe the house by then what do you tell them?
2: Yeah. You don't have to be a certain age to walk into my office. Um, My youngest client is actually 18 years old. Before he went to college, he did a power of attorney so that if he got into a car accident, his parents could make his medical decisions Mm -hmm. for him. Mm -hmm. People often ask, at what age should I start looking at estate planning? And I say, before you die and before you become incapacitated. So unless you know when that is, (laughs) now is generally a good idea. Okay, yes. Um, Whether you're 18 years old, 48 years old, or 98 years old, the laws apply the same. You are an adult, um, and depending on what kind of assets you have, if you've not put an estate plan in place, those assets could end up in probate court. And more importantly for for individuals with minor children – you want to be able to designate a guardian for that minor child should something happen to the parents, and that's also done through an estate plan.
1: Okay, uh, Danielle, you and I were talking about my children in particular before we started recording, and they're around 25 age group. Uh, they have two children, and they're not married yet, mm-hmm. and so they visited with an attorney recently because they're going to go on their honeymoon once they get married, and they'll be out of the country together. and My fear, because myself and Caleb's mom will be caring for the children, is if if something happened tragically and they didn't come back, then how do we make sure that those kids are our kids? So what would you say to that? What does that process look like for for 25-year-olds in their situation.
2: Yeah, in in their situation, uh, a last will and testament is the only place that you can legally identify who you want to become guardian of your minor child should something happen to you. The court, unfortunately, always has to be involved, or maybe fortunately, always has to be involved when a minor child uh, is concerned because Mm -hmm. we perhaps – you know, maybe I've named my sister as the guardian of my minor child, but my death has just caused her so much grief that she's no longer an appropriate person to serve as the guardian of my minor child. That's why the court's always involved. But the last will and testament is the place to say, here's who I want to be guardian, or perhaps here's who I don't want to be guardian in any situation. True. That's what a last will and testament is for. So those informal conversations that individuals have with their family are not going to stand up in court. A last will and testament right. legally is the place to say, here's who I want to serve as guardian for my minor child.
1: Okay. And is a will recorded? Is it a document that is just signed and notarized? What What's the the appropriate way to write a will? Uh, go see an attorney. Please go see an attorney. attorney. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, A last will and testament actually does not get recorded anywhere until an individual passes away. In fact, a will is not effective until an individual passes away and the court essentially accepts the will. Got it. In Missouri, after an individual passes away, you only have one year to say, here's that deceased person's last will and testament. And if you don't present it to the court within one year, that will becomes null and void and you can't use it later down the road. I've had individuals come in and these are heartbreaking conversations to have when somebody comes in and and presents what they believe to be a valid will from, say, their parent, Mm -hmm. their parents passed away. They say, well, I went to the local bank. The banker notarized it. We're good to go. And I have to explain, actually, in Missouri, a will doesn't have to be notarized. Mm. It has to be witnessed by two individuals, but it doesn't have to be notarized. And I've had situations where it was notarized but not witnessed, and it's invalid. Oh. Or the witnesses weren't there watching the person actually sign the last will and testament, so they didn't technically witness, so the will's invalid.
1: Mm. Those,
2: little, those little things um, become big things, and at the time they are discovered, you can't go back and fix them because the individual's incapacitated or deceased. Right. So do it right the first time so you're not causing yourself headache down the road. Right.
1: And obviously, that is having an attorney handle it. Um, In our job, we deal with an amazing amount of people that shockingly, and you're probably not shocked by me saying this, but I'm shocked by the number of people that I deal with on a yearly basis that do not have their home they own with a beneficiary deed or it's not in a trust. Mm -hmm. And I... The conversation usually just comes up in in you know whatever we're doing, whatever the capacity of real estate we're doing. But it surprises me the age range of people and the older individuals that don't have a will in place, don't have a trust in place. And they admittedly say, "Oh, yeah, I meant to do that, you know, back whenever." And and they're ninety years old, selling their house, and mm-hmm. they're the only person listed on their deed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it this conversation means a lot to me because I'm not the advisor, obviously, to my clients, but I can certainly give them advice and give them a name of a trusted attorney and and say maybe you should think about you know planning your estate at this point or or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. We just I think Angie and I run into that conversation a lot. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: And then trying to, and you've brought it
1: up a couple of times,
0: um, probate. So maybe explain what probate is, because yeah, when we say if you don't Mm -hmm. have that and you end up in probate, again, I don't think they get the full picture of what that, that is and what can happen to their assets if it ends up in probate. Right. Yeah. Right. We've all heard we want to avoid probate. That probate's this scary big thing. Yeah. What mm-hmm.
2: what is this? But mm-hmm. what actually is probate? Right. Right. Yes. right. Um the reason so probate gets involved if there is an asset out there that no longer has a living joint owner, mm-hmm. no doesn't have a beneficiary, or mm-hmm. the beneficiary is a minor, and if there's no trust involved. So essentially, if there's an asset out there that has just one person on it with no beneficiary, no trust, that asset will go to probate when that person passes away. People generally like to avoid probate for a number of reasons, and I can guarantee you if you find an individual who's had to take their loved one's estate through probate, they can tell you the horror stories and the nightmare that -hmm. it it has been. Mm -hmm. In Missouri, a probate process, at a minimum by law, is six months and ten days. Really? It never takes. It, it it rarely takes six months and ten days. It's usually eight months, nine months, mm-hmm. ten months down the right. road mm-hmm. because typically there there is some further delay. But at a minimum, probate is six months, ten days. In addition, it's a public process, so anybody can walk in and get information on the assets that are in probate and the individuals who are receiving those assets. The family who is taking the estate through probate, most people like to avoid it because it's a reminder of their loved one's death. You're no longer, you're not, you can't fully grieve um, and move on because you've still got this paperwork that you're having to deal with. It also gives creditors an easy way to come in and make a claim. So if a probate estate is not opened and an individual has creditors, the creditor has to intentionally open a probate estate in order to get paid. Usually they don't do that because it's expensive. But if the family has to open a probate estate because they didn't have a beneficiary deed on their house or didn't have a trust, the creditor just has to file some paperwork and show up at court, and then they get paid. So the mm -hmm. creditors prefer when families have to open probate estates. Um, and then also, it's expensive. So in Missouri, we've got kind of a, a staggered um, attorney fee and personal representative or executor fee mm-hmm. statute, but on average, you're looking between 3 and 5% of the estate. Now, if the mm-hmm. estate is more complicated, uh, the attorney can always petition for more fees.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's why we want to
0: avoid probate. Right. Yeah you know we we know that if a house sits vacant so you got 6 months and 10 days by statute mm-hmm. that that it will take to go through probate and it's normally longer than that if a house sits vacant for 2 or 3 months there's already the systems are already starting to fail because they're not being used so does that family member or is there can they can they do anything with that property can they rent it can they have somebody in there so that it doesn't deteriorate yes so
2: within that six month time period we can liquidate assets and put mm-hmm. them in a bank account we just can't distribute to the beneficiaries yet got it okay yes okay. so we can do we can rent if that makes sense uh-huh. or liquidate the assets
1: okay mm-hmm. okay interesting yeah, yeah. very much mm-hmm. so if what is the point for you that someone needs a trust instead of a will? Is there a certain, you know, meter that you go by that you say, really, we need to go a little higher? And and in a tiered system, is a trust above a will?
2: It, yeah. So remember, will means we're in court.
1: Yes. So we always have a will as a backup plan or a
2: safety net. But I never want to see that document again because it means my client hasn't avoided probate. Right. Some, something something has gone wrong, and we haven't yep. avoided probate. Yep. Okay. Um, if I have a client come in and they have one adult child who they trust completely, that child does not have any creditor issues. That child's not at risk of getting divorced. Uh, That child is not a special needs individual. The easiest way to avoid probate in that scenario is to add that child as a beneficiary, not as an owner, but as a beneficiary on all of their parents' assets. So TOD on the car, do a beneficiary deed on the house, et cetera. Then when the parents pass away, the child would just take a death certificate, go to the DMV, go to the title company, go to the bank, and acquire the asset, and we're done when we look at doing trusts, it's because we need a little bit more control so it used to be in the late 90s and early 2000s that there were tax reasons for uber wealthy individuals to have trusts those tax reasons are no longer present in in most scenarios now it's do we need more control if I have a client who has minor children we're gonna do a trust because Mm -hmm. a four-year-old cannot inherit a house and handle a house Mm -hmm. unless the courts involved Mm -hmm. so we do a trust to avoid that situation If I have individuals who are in second marriage situation, and say we've got if it's a a husband and wife, and we've got his, hers, and theirs, Mm -hmm. we're probably going to do a trust in order to ensure that all the children inherit, if that's what their wish is, Mm -hmm. if that's Mm -hmm. what the parents wish is. If we have an individual who wants to leave uh, their estate to somebody who's on needs-based government benefits, so like Medicaid or Social Security, we can do a trust so that they can receive their inheritance and. remain on their government benefits. Mm -hmm. Or if I just have clients that uh, do not have children that get along very well, we can do a trust. Uh, The benefit of having a trust is you do have somebody in charge of your estate called the trustee. Mm -hmm. That trustee doesn't get to make decisions about who's inheriting what. They have to do what you've told them to do within the trust document, that instruction booklet. Mm -hmm. But instead of... Your three kids that don't get along inheriting a house, trying to agree what's supposed to happen with the house, which is exactly what occurs with a beneficiary deed, Mm -hmm. under a trust, we can say the three kids are going to receive the proceeds of the trust after the trustee sells the house at fair market value and the kids just get a check so we don't Mm -hmm. have to have three people reaching an agreement. Right. So a trust just
0: provides more control. Okay. Okay. So as we're talking to our aging parents, I mean it's it's sometimes a difficult thing conversation to have. Do you have any thoughts about how to approach someone on addressing that?
2: Yes, yeah. yeah. It 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 is difficult. I understand that um me speaking about death every day is not typically what people do, <laughs> right? I I right. because this is my job, because this is my career, my passion. I don't have an issue talking about what happens if a person becomes incapacitated, what happens when mm-hmm. a person passes away. But for most people, no, that's not something we want to discuss mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. I encourage all families to have that conversation and bring it up multiple times. And maybe the first seven times, your loved one doesn't want to talk, but the eighth mm-hmm. time they're ready to have the conversation. Sure. There's also lots of tools online about questions that that can be asked or prompted mm-hmm. so that you have a roadmap, if you will, in front of you and you're sure. not just trying to think of these difficult questions.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: A mm-hmm. lot of people will draw back on experiences that they've had, maybe a grandparent who was in the hospital or a difficult decision that they had to make and draw back on those experiences in mm-hmm. order to have the conversation.
1: Sure.
2: And ultimately we're we're not we're not here forever. We yeah. are all going to pass away. Mm-hmm. But, And having those conversations now while you have the capacity to have the conversations and while it's not an emergency situation, you haven't received a horrible diagnosis, is a lot easier for you and your loved ones. And then again, they can draw back on those conversations. And it also puts it more in your control. If you have powers of attorney in place and you've selected that person that you trust to make your medical decisions... You know that you've had those conversations, and it's not the court appointing you a guardian who's maybe never met you before. It's a public administrator, for example, who's never met you before. So, putting those documents in place really takes away the un- uncertainty of it and puts it more into your control. Mm-hmm. But they are difficult yeah. conversations to have.
1: Sure. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. hard to bring it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable and why would you recommend one over the other Mm -hmm. so
2: when it comes to trusts in general every single trust has three parties you've got the creator of the trust which is also called uh, usually called a grantor or settlor you've got the beneficiary of the trust and then you have the trustee or the administrator of the trust 95% 95% of people, when they say they have a trust, they have a revocable living trust. Its primary goal is to avoid probate. The creators of the trust are usually, let's just say, husband and wife. Mm-hmm. The beneficiaries of the trust during their lifetimes are husband and wife, and then once they pass, usually their children. Mm-hmm. And the trustees or administrators of the trust are husband and wife, and when they pass, they've nominated somebody to do that. So a revocable living trust, its primary goal is to avoid probate. There are some trusts, like irrevocable trusts. Some irrevocable trusts are for tax purposes for very, very high net worth individuals. Mm. Many people will also do irrevocable trusts for Medicaid asset protection purposes. Mm. Uh, The issue with that is that Medicaid has been cracking down on some of those irrevocable trusts. So we see that irrevocable trusts which met Medicaid's interpretation of our laws, say, 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. Medicaid is now reinterpreting those laws. And the trusts that were appropriately drafted 10 years ago now may not meet Medicaid rules. The only time we generally encourage an irrevocable trust for Medicaid asset protection purposes is usually for family farmland. We know yep. that, that mom and dad, for example, want to pass the farm on to their, their child. The Medicaid Asset Protection Trust will protect it for Medicaid purposes. The downside is it's irrevocable. So a revocable trust, which most people have, can be changed. Mm-hmm. You are estranged from your child, you can go in and disinherit them, mm-hmm. for example. A revo- an irrevocable trust, as its name indicates, once it's set up, it's done. Yeah. If you want to get that asset out of the trust because you decided that you want to downsize and you don't want to live on your farm anymore, but you want to take the money out to downsize, you can't. It's not your mm-hmm. asset. You've put it into a irrevocable trust.
1: Wow. Interesting. Have you ever seen ugly things happen because somebody put something in an irrevocable trust and then needed that asset for something else? Absolutely. Yes. Uh-huh. And that's, and we that's yeah.
2: we don't use irrevocable trust too often for that very reason and Mm -hmm. also because medicaid continues to reinterpret the Mm -hmm. the laws Mm -hmm. Um, and before somebody does an irrevocable trust in our office we are advising them a lot many multiple times before we allow them to make that decision but for some people it is appropriate sure for most people it's not appropriate most people that i see it's not appropriate Yeah. yeah
0: and that kind of brings up another question about on the revocable trust It's not like you set it and leave it, right? If you do it in your 40s, you you know, you probably are going to not pass away for a long time, hopefully. hopefully. So you do need to look at those things and make sure they're updated.
2: Absolutely. We recommend every five years or a major life event revisiting your estate plan okay. it doesn't necessarily mean changes need to be made but maybe you've bought a new car and you forgot to put transfer on death (TOD) on yeah. that car mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. somebody that you've named is the guardian in your last will and testament you're estranged from now and you don't want that person yeah. um watching over your children so mm-hmm. every five years or a major life event is a good time to revisit your estate
1: okay. plan okay good to know And you had mentioned in the very first of our discussion your 18-year-old that did a POA. Mm -hmm. So tell me about POAs and medical directives. Yeah. So probate,
2: trusts, all that stuff is what I call death planning. What happens with my stuff when I pass away? How do we avoid probate? The other component of estate planning is incapacity planning. Powers of attorney are essentially permission slips. If I can't, here's who can. If you don't have a power of attorney and you become incapacitated, your loved ones have to go to court to get a guardianship and conservatorship. And that is not a pleasant process to go through. Mm -hmm. And we see that even if you've got a 19-year-old child who is at college, if that child's in a car accident and in the hospital, that child your child is still legally an adult you don't get sure, to go yeah, in and make mm-hmm. medical decisions for an adult right, mm-hmm. unless that adult has appointed you in a power of attorney a mm-hmm. uh, medical power of attorney is who can make your medical decisions for you mm-hmm. your medical provider can provide a free health care power of attorney mm-hmm. and the Missouri Bar Association at the state level also has a free medical power of attorney mm-hmm. I encourage everybody to please have a medical power of attorney mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. uh, a financial power of attorney, which is also often called a durable power of attorney, is who can handle your finances. In both of those categories, people are surprised to learn Missouri is one of the few states that doesn't have a default person to step in. So many states say you don't have a power of attorney and something happens, your spouse can step in and make your medical decisions. Or your spouse can step in and and access your IRA. Missouri doesn't have those default Mm. provisions. And where doctors have a lot of flexibility to allow spouses to make decisions for for their injured spouse – your banker's not gonna have that same flexibility. So if your spouse is in a car accident and you need access to their IRA, their individual retirement account, you don't get to just get access because you Mm. happen to be married to them. You have to have a power of attorney in place. Mm. that's important information. It is, it is. And I see it on, on, uh, with real estate, I've had multiple times where an individual's uh, spouse has gone to a nursing home and so the person who's still in the home wants to sell and downsize well their nursing home spouse is incapacitated and can't right. sign the deed as you guys know spouses have to sign off whenever yes, a right. piece of real estate's being sold so right. now the healthy spouse who's still in the home has to go to court to get a guardianship and conservatorship to sell the house so they can downsize yeah mm. and it's not fun it but is it's, not yeah. a fun process to go, go through no.
1: yeah mm-hmm. gosh mm. there are so many things involved in estate planning
2: There are, but it's not as hard as you think it is. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I make that statement, then I think, but really it's one, two, three, four. Right? It is, and that's why it is... You can get online. My
2: joke is Google doesn't have a law degree. And if it (coughs) did, it's certainly not licensed to practice law in 50 states. So Mm -hmm. be cautious what you're finding online. Yes. But the reason that you should hire an attorney is when I'm sitting down with an individual, I don't go through all these scenarios that don't apply to them. Right. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about what your wishes are, what your goals are. And then I'll tell you how to accomplish those and what each document does. But we don't need to talk about all this
0: other stuff. Yeah. So it's not as difficult as people might might think it is. Yeah. So obviously first step you need to talk to an attorney, but what does what does someone need? Um if we can give our listeners just a couple of steps they need to take, maybe documents they need or what what do they need before they come and see the attorney?
2: Yeah. So our process is when somebody calls to make an appointment Uh, we send out a worksheet and that worksheet says, tell me about your assets, what do you own, Are there currently beneficiaries on those assets tell me about family dynamics you know how many kids do we have do they have grandkids are are there any issues with the children and then we've got prompts about have you thought about who you would want to leave your stuff to Mm -hmm. are there any parameters maybe you don't want your child inheriting your estate when they're 18 maybe when they're 30 for example Mm -hmm. Um, thinking about who you would want to make your medical decisions and financial decisions if you couldn't speak for yourself and then in all these Scenarios, backup plans. One of the hardest questions yeah. I ask people is if one of your kids passes away before you do, who do you want to inherit in that situation? And a lot yeah. of parents, rightfully so, have never thought of that, nor right. should yeah. they have to consider right. that. Right. But we want to have backup plans in all of these documents. Yeah. So considering who those trusted people are and then having conversations with those trusted people as well. Mm-hmm. Our initial consultations usually last between 60 and 90 minutes so that we can go through what somebody's wishes are and how to accomplish those wishes, and then also educating my clients about, hey, I know you said you wanted a simple will, but that means you're going to probate. So I don't think you actually want a simple will. Let's talk about other ways to, Mm -hmm. or ways to avoid probate. Right. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the conversation, we let them know what our recommendation is, and they can decide if they want to move forward or not. Yeah. And we always provide draft documents before they sign so they can go over those.
1: Nice. Mm Nice great explanation great of explanation. all of that and yeah. i was just sitting here thinking about one of the first things that you said is there's there's no age to estate planning mm-hmm. and i think oftentimes when we hear elder law mm-hmm. we think of well that's for my grandparents mm-hmm. well that's for you know that's for my parents that's for mm-hmm. old people and you know, it's not. It's for the young people. It's for everybody. Everybody Mm -hmm. needs to think of these things.
2: We all hope, and I do hope, everybody passes away when they're 100 plus years old and they just spent the last $5 out of their bank account, but (laughs) it rarely works that way. Estate planning looks different if you're 19 years old, a single person in college, versus 35 with couple little ones at home yeah. versus 90 years old and you have a bank account. It yeah. looks different, but it's it's still important regardless of your
1: age if you're over Absolutely. 18. Yeah. 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 That's really good conversation. Absolutely. We hope that the listeners take a lot from that. And mm-hmm. I've learned lots of things Me sitting too. here listening to this. So that's our hope. Yeah. We so want to get into the other part of yeah. who you are, Danielle, and mm-hmm. that's serving in our community. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you currently serve as the president of the Springfield Public School Board of Education, right? Is that how you say that? Correct. Your title? Okay. Yes. That's a mouthful. (laughs) It is. It is. is. So what led to that? Tell us your background of being involved in the community, because I'm sure you don't just raise your hand and say, I'll take that role. (laughs)
2: Uh, Well, I think I told you all the story. I I grew up in Kansas City. My parents are still in Kansas City. I came down here for undergrad. I left for law school. And after law school uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, at Creighton University, I practiced for a couple years in Omaha. It was 2011. The recession had just hit the legal market. It was very difficult to find a job. Mm -hmm. I did not have a job when I took the bar exam, which was just terrifying. (laughs) Um, But I found a position up there that that really suited me well, except that practically every single weekend I was driving down to Springfield, Missouri, because Mm -hmm. I missed Springfield so much. Mm -hmm. Springfield is, is where my home is. Right. And I know I've told you this story. I would stop in Kansas city and see my grandma at the time as I was driving to and from. And she said to me one day, what, what are you doing? Why are you living in Omaha and driving to Springfield? Just move back to Springfield. And of course she was right. So in 2013, I moved back here, but because this is my chosen home, because this is where my heart is, I don't want to just live here. I want to be part of the community think it's easy for people to just go day to day and not give back to their community mm-hmm. and there's different ways to give back to mm-hmm. your community mm-hmm. something as small as checking in on your neighbor who who had surgery is a way to Certainly. give back to your yes. community yeah. so when i moved back here it was it was with an intention to not just live here not just work here but give back I started volunteering at first for the Child Advocacy Center. That was probably my first volunteer role when I moved back to Springfield and then eventually started serving on the Springfield Public School Foundation Board. And I realized during one of our board retreats, uh, the executive director, Natalie Murdoch, said write down what your volunteer activities are and are you seeing any uh, correlation between them? And I realized that it was children and education Mm -hmm. were Mm -hmm. a lot of my volunteer activities and so then kind of the natural next step was, can I make a bigger impact on our school board? Yeah. And truth be told, I was asked, I've heard that women have to be asked right before they'll consider mm-hmm. it. And I was asked and I thought that that makes sense. That That is a good natural next step. Mm-hmm. This was in October or so of 2020. My election was in April of 2021, Uh, public education and school boards were not uh, under attack like they are currently. Mm -hmm. So I didn't quite know what that looked like. But I just started my third year and I've enjoyed it. It is is a difficult volunteer position. I think people Mm -hmm. forget that, that not only does our city council serve for free, but also our school board serves for, for free. So it's a difficult volunteer position, but it's an important volunteer position. Absolutely. Public yeah. education are we are the largest school district in the state and our 24,000 plus students yeah. deserve a fantastic education.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think it's a great testament that I have served on a school board albeit from a very small town. Yeah. Um, running a race like that is is no fun no matter where you are mm-hmm. but especially in a in a town the size of Springfield. But I was I don't have children and so I was often asked why do you want to be on the school board? You don't have kids. What what difference does it make? Well, it makes a big difference. Education is mm-hmm. so important yeah. to all of us, and it yes. doesn't matter whether you have children or not. People, during the campaign,
2: in Springfield, we have to collect 500 signatures to be placed on the ballot. And Got so ahead. I was collecting signatures, and I would often get the question of, well, Danielle, you don't have children. Why would you want to be on the school board? And I think as a community member, as a business owner, of course I want our public education system to be the best that it can be. I also had people ask me if they could vote if they didn't have children. Mm -hmm. And that – really surprised me Wow. Mm -hmm. um we've also heard you know our our footprint springfield public schools is outside of just the springfield city limits Mm -hmm. and i've heard a couple times that people think that if they live outside the city limits that they can't vote for springfield public school board of education and Mm -hmm. as long as you are living in the the district of springfield
0: yes you can vote Mm -hmm. for the board of education right that's great that's a great point i it wouldn't have even occurred to me that people wouldn't know that they could vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time, but I want to talk about a couple of fun things, and that is your love of hiking or climbing tall things. You just hiked um, Pikes Peak. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're getting ready to go... Mount Everest.
2: The the base camp of Mount Everest. Yes. I'm an outdoors person. People, my friends historically have known me as a paddler going out on the river Uh and and doing some, some crazy things on the river. But this year I've got a really high hike and a really low hike. So I went and hiked the Grand Canyon Mm -hmm. back in, I guess that was May. And yes, in September, I'll be traveling to hike to the base camp of
1: Mount Everest. So what kind of preparation do you have to do for that? I have no idea.
2: Just getting outside
1: a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's really the
2: altitude is, is um, the bet. biggest problem, mm, yeah. which is why I went and did Pike's Peak this mm-hmm. past weekend to get some of that higher altitude. But, you gotcha. know, taking care of your body, staying hydrated. Sure. Uh, yes. Your gear is really important. So this is a good yeah. opportunity to test my gear before I travel halfway across the world. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and are you going with... I'm going with two friends? girlfriends. Okay. Yeah, two oh, girlfriends. Fun.
2: Um, And then we will meet up with a couple other people as well sure. in a group there'll be 12 of us okay. total. Gotcha.
1: Fun. Yeah. Gotcha. And so what does that look like time-wise? How many days does it take you? And I'm assuming you're you hike to a certain point and you camp.
2: We will stay in teahouses. Okay. And they have very thin walls, so it will be a little chilly. Okay. And we will fly into Kathmandu, Nepal, mm-hmm. and then we'll take a small airplane from Kathmandu to Lukla, Nepal, which is the most dangerous airport in the world because mm-hmm. of its altitude and because it's in between two mountains. Mm-hmm. You have to have special pilot training to fly into Lukla. Wow. I have anxiety while flying, so we'll see how that, that goes. <laughs> yes. And then we'll start hiking. I will be gone for a, a total of about two and a half weeks. And God awesome. bless my law partner for allowing yeah. me to yeah. do this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's she's going to take an extended trip in the spring that will be Good. well deserved. Yeah. yeah, I've never taken this much time off of work, yeah. but I'm really excited for it.
0: Yeah, that's we're, so we're, exciting. We're big advocates of we understand the the mental health benefits and and being a more well-rounded person whenever you do get out and exercise and and mm-hmm. be one with nature and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of extreme nature, Danielle. It, it,
1: it. <laughs>
2: I like um, slow risk. So skiing, not interested in skiing. Yeah. Um, mountain climbing, actually, with clips and everything, not interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. I like the slow risk where if something goes wrong, I have time to correct it before mm. it's yep. a dangerous yeah. situation. Yeah. 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 I like that theory. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I <Yeah. laughs> yeah.
0: do too. Well, good too. luck. We Thanks. will be watching yeah. you. Yeah.
1: And will her. you be able to post on social media while you're there? I'm hoping to have some okay. internet access, but Maybe
0: probably not a lot. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good for so you. Fun. Yeah.
0: yeah, have a great time.
1: Yeah, we like to end with a fun real estate story if you have one, and that would be something that you have purchased a house, you've sold a house, you've lived somewhere that's been, you've just had a fun experience. A
2: fun real estate or, story, and, or, or it
1: could be bad. Yeah. No, or, I know it could be
2: a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I have a fun real estate story. Probably the most, the, the thing that comes to mind, my very first house I purchased was in Omaha, Nebraska. It was b- built in 1921 mm-hmm. and it had cloth wiring. I remember having mm-hmm. to switch out one of the um, light switches and getting right. on YouTube and figuring out how to do this when there's cloth wiring in the house.
1: Wow.
2: But one of <laughs> my crazy. friends who I know from Missouri State, came to he lived in Omaha as well came over for for a holiday party and he said this is my grandmother's house really oh. I said what and he said yes and I hadn't you know shown him the house or anything yet right. but he could describe you know here's the bedroom and here's what the basement looks like and this and that and it was his grandmother's house and we oh interesting isn't that, yeah
1: that is so cool that's world. small the, small world yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that that's a good story <laughs> that's a good story. thank you Danielle <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, as we wrap up here, we want to thank Gershman Mortgage and Studio for broadcasting today. And we hope that you'll join us next time on the Simply Authentic podcast. See you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Simply Authentic podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram.
1: Be sure to listen to us on your favorite podcasting app.